welcome to the Detail Solutions Podcast. My name is Alex Russell, and I am your host, uh, Jason. How you doing, buddy? You're here. <laughs> I'm good. I'm here. I didn't want to miss this one. I you you I got really deleted. Part of this. You got deleted off the other one, so you had to fill your fill your uh, <laughs> your quota by getting in on this one, right? I had to get in on it, man. Yeah. Uh, all right, the Detail Solutions Podcast that is our website. That's where you're going to find all the links to the show. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube and you don't know that we have a podcast, then uh, that's where you want to go. Uh, we also have our vendor, our preferred vendors on there, and that's basically just our ad partners that's going to have a link to click you right to their site. It's also going to have the codes that will save you money. So if you go and spend money with our ad partners, make sure you use their codes so that they know that you're spending money with us and then they'll give us money and then we give you the funny. So hashtag money, money, funny. That's how that works, right? Um, we also have the merch store uh, for the podcast apparel. Uh, we do have the Concaster t-shirt. We have the um, headphone style microphone podcast logo. Uh, on t-shirts, hoodie, and then we also have the banner style embroidered uh, flat bill hat. You can go check out there. Um, again, we do stream these on YouTube. YouTube is the Detail Solutions Podcast. Uh, you can watch us live when we do these Q&As or when we do the um, What's on Your Minds. So make sure that you go like, share, subscribe, follow, hit the notification bell so that you get the notification when we are live. MTE, MTE is just two weeks away. <laughs> Maddie's having lighting issues. MTE is just uh, two weeks away. Um, if you're last minute, uh, like Brenda Mortensen um, called me up today and she's like, hey, I think I'm coming to MTE. What do I got to do? You're going to want to go to mobiletechexpo.com. And they're going to have there where you can purchase your tickets. Use the code DSB15. You'll save 15% off. And then while you're there, also go to mobiletechexpo.com uh, backslash golden dash mic or golden hyphen mic. And make sure to give us a nod for the Golden Mic Award. It's not off of number of votes. It is off of the best representation of the show or the best... Um, What's the word I want to use? The best. Uh, help me out here, Jason. What am I trying to think of? Um, influence. Sure. Yeah, influence. It's not the word I was thinking impact. of. But yeah, yeah, yeah. How the show impacts you, or how the show influences you, or or whatever. Um, and then again, anywhere that you follow us on social media, whether it's Instagram, the Detail Solutions Podcast, or Detail Solutions Podcast. Um, Maddie's making all the noise in the world. <laughs> Sorry, guys, I'm an amateur. You're good, Thank buddy. Uh, <laughs> or, or on uh, Facebook, um, or even if you follow us over on TikTok at the Detail Solutions Pod, please go make make sure that you like, share, um, subscribe, and um, yeah. So. Uh, so we're gonna jump into this. I think he already introduced himself. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so we've got the birthday boy Maddie Gibb on here. Um, for those of you who don't know Matthew Gibb, um, he's been around. I mean, he's he's like a dinosaur. He's a fossil. He's been around forever. Um, knows knows everybody. 
Um, I mean, I, I, I didn't know him until I heard him on um, Dale's show, the detail, the, the, what's Dale's show? I forget. Uh, Details down under. Detailing down under. Detailing down yep. under podcasts. That's uh, it. Man, I, I blanked on it for a minute because he has another episode out in a couple of weeks. Um, I first heard Maddie on there, um, and then and then Maddie and I started uh, keeping in contact, and um, and then the more people I talked to, like, oh yeah, Maddie Gibb, Maddie Gibb, Maddie Gibb. So, mm. how you doing, today, boy? I'm good, except I keep. <laughs> I'm very good, but for lighting, being in here, which is where I wanted to be, it's just too damn bright yeah. with these curtains and stuff. Nah, so you're, you're so fine. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna move over here. <laughs> Shine because it's forty degrees Celsius here today, and it's pretty bright. Yeah, so it's pretty hot. Try nah, this. You're, you're all good. Get I normally do it in like other areas, but this will do. Yeah, that's so fine. all right. Fine. Stop making yeah, too much noise. So, too, so you're so <laughs> for everybody for everybody listening and watching. I mean, I Maddie and I were supposed to do this a while back. Um, Maddie got pretty sick. Was in the hospital for a long time. Every time he got kicked out of the hospital, he missed it so much. He went right back in. So we're glad yeah, that you're healthy boy. and, and uh, well, as healthy as I can be with aplastic anemia, where your immune system likes to take all the platelets out of your bone marrow. It's real yeah. nice, you know. Yeah. But uh, tablets, taking the tablets, and obviously doing some other treatments. And yeah, but I got a staph infection on that. There was one day I had to cancel because my platelets were like two, and I, right. I said, "Oh, I've got some." And I get you get signs of that. Yeah. when you're low and I was like I've got to ring up and I've got to go in and get some more so that buggered that day up and then yeah. then I got a staph infection like two weeks later after that something like that but anyway this, I'm healthy now I'm good well that's good is it, now is this something that just like recently happened or is this something you've been dealing with yeah uh, like, in September it just showed up on bottom of my legs on both sides were basically just full of red red dots and basically it's the capillaries all coming to the surface and the blood capillaries and they just all go red and then you get, you get low enough to where you're like platelets are virtually non-existent and you end up bleeding everywhere gums oh, and, yes. and so platelets have to be you know given yeah. and they they go down over time so i got i deliberately got two two bags on thursday so i'd be golden for another week okay. so i wouldn't have to cancel again but anyway yeah it, it's a bit of a bitch but like i said I'm, there is treatment for it stem cells are the best option and we'll right. get to that point this year but yeah, outside okay. of that, I mean, I spent sixty-two days in hospital feeling fine, but yet internally I was knackered. So, wow, wow, it's weird. It's a very rare thing. Anyway, let's move on. Yeah, yeah, let's get into this. So, you know, obviously, like always, you know, we want to know the the where, the when, the why, the how you got into detailing, and be yeah. as odd with it or as narrow with it, how, you know, however you want to go with it. Because I know you got a yeah, lot well. It was exactly 30 years ago to this day, uh, to, you know, to this day, basically, pretty much. Um, in 93, I bought my first car. It was only a Suzuki Swift, but it was like a four-year-old, three or four-year-old car. It was like 10 grand. I think I paid like six grand cash and four paid four grand off in a few months or nine months or something, and that was the end of that. And I said, I want to take care of this thing, even though it's just my first car. Most people's first cars in Australia are like 20-year-old shitboxes in most cases or, you know. But that's how it used to be most of the time. You'd buy something right. and it was 500 bucks or whatever and it was, you know, it'd run you around and do all right and you have to repair stuff. And I thought, I'm, I'll get something decent. And it's only a little Suzuki Swift with a carburetor on it, 1.3 litre engine, you know. But I said, I'm going to take care of this thing. So what do I do? Down to the auto parts store, 
what have we got in Australia at the time? Repo, Armour All, Kitten, Turtle Wax. And basically that was about it, except for Maguire's, which had come to Australia in 91. And it was clearly better than those. So right. I went down that with a Maguire's Red Bottle, you know, retail range, which is quite, was quite decent for its time. Right. Um, and I used that and, I'd, you know, I'd basically clean the car every week or two weeks and I'd, I'd clay it and I'd, I would wax it and put, do the three-step sort of paint treatment system on it that Maguire's had at the time with the cleanser and then the polish and then the, the canuba and all that stuff, like yellow, the gold class yellow or something like that. And then um, and I would put wax on it like every week and just keep putting more and more wax on every damn week and go stupid. Um, and then basically uh, that was it. It was like, okay, I'll do this. And, and then sort of did that for, for a year or two and I kept the car really nice. It was only a white one, kept it really nice. And then um, a year later I met this guy. I've forgotten what his first name was actually. It's been that many years. But he was, his business name was Gawler Mobile Car Clean and he basically came out to my dad's company um, and he would clean the, all the work vehicles, like the staff cars and all that every two weeks. And I started asking him questions, watching him do stuff. And, yeah, the way he did it back then was a bit primitive. But it got me interested and enthused because basically at that point I was sort of like, well, at least when I left from the time I left school to where to about 92, 93, I really didn't have any idea what I wanted to do as a career. And I just got a job in a supermarket work working doing that thought I'll start there just work it out from from there and then the detailing thing sort of bug hit and went from there and then I just started doing a few friends cars in 95 96 um a lot of hand polishing and it just went from there and it grew and grew and grew and I was you know it wasn't until though sort of like your mid to late 90s I started trying different products you know but and went into the things like you know the fire glaze era if you've ever heard of fire glaze and glare and all that no now, basically, fire glaze was the original natural silica. Okay. Yeah, I suppose. Hang on, hang on a silica. second, Matt. You're glitching a little bit. Hang on a second. Ion stuff, which isn't a polymer there, okay. or a wax in it. Okay. Basically, All right, you're back. I knew I'd get a, I knew I'd get a phone call. Um, oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, basically, fire glaze, yeah, it was this natural silicate ion, supposedly, whatever else, but it would give you a really, really rich colour that you would, okay. you wouldn't get with your polymers and your and polymer silicates and your canubas. Um, so I used that, but I'd use that after I'd you know remove all the swirls and whatever else by, by hand, and right. it worked really well. And it was like a it was like a sealant glaze, so it would like enrich colour a lot, and then it would leave protection behind. And you put a the first time you put it on, you put put it on by hand or machine and you just sort of move it around, rub it in, like using it like a polish, a brazy polish. Then you would put it on okay. like a sealant. Like and, a, it would, and it would last. Like a good, wax. Yeah, mm. but it would basically last a couple of years and it would really, really like enrich oh, wow. the colour because with, with silica, even though it, you know, a lot of silica stuff has to have solvents in it, which can kill your gloss to some degree, um, it would work really well. So, um, Yeah. So I did that, and then obviously in 90, what have we got here, like, you know, 2000 was the real year when I basically um, had the internet for, finally, a bit behind the times, but finally got the internet, good old dial-up, and um, and basically that was it, like, here we are, Autopia, you know, researching stuff all the time, 
talking to people, just looking at stuff, just soaking stuff up like a sponge, and um, starting to learn the rotary then too. Bought myself a rotary, and um, off I went. Spent ages on there, many years. Well, learned a lot of stuff from a lot of people. Tried tried yeah. everything they were mentioned, and then make do my own sort yeah. of come up with my own sort of things. And and that was that was when the world sort of opened up, and I was like, Mike, how many brands are there? You know, right, right. chemical guys yeah. and all poor boys world, and then you got the, you know your Wolfgangs and all your auto geek brands, right. and I just buy bits and pieces of everything and just yeah. try all sorts of stuff. So. And that was where it really took off. Then, obviously, I started as a pro in 2000 after six, seven years of being right. an absolute, absolute rank sort of amateur well, let's, rookie. Let's do, a, let's, you know? do an ad, let's do an ad real quick, and then we'll come in and, and talk about you kind of stepping up from the amateur ranks to the pro ranks. So uh, we'll be right back. You need a website, but you don't know where to start? Detailers Roadmap can help. Their websites are designed for detailers and have all the features you need to convert visitors into lifelong customers. It's easy to use, affordable, and they'll even write and design the website from start to finish. So accelerate your auto detailing business's growth and increase online visibility with Detailers Roadmap's bespoke digital marketing services. You'll rank high on search engines and increase PPF, ceramic coating, and tinting sales. Contact Detailers Roadmap today to schedule your free discovery call. And make sure that you tell them you heard about it here on the Detail Solutions Podcast to receive your discount. All right. So so when we left off, you said that's kind of about the time that you decided to do it more on a professional level. So when yeah. were you just kind of doing you know, your, your car, friends and family car and decided to actually make it a, a business at that time? Yeah, well, basically in 2000, it was pretty much learn the rotary as best I could and trial and error, trial and error, tons of that. And then in 01, I actually finished up working for the, the supermarket after 10 years and uh, said, okay, I'm going to go into this now. But I wasn't going to start a business. Really. I started out working for a company that had a bunch of bunch of vehicles it was a security company actually you know, they just got me to wash the cars regularly and vacuum and do other stuff like that and just started right. basically doing maintenance for them and then I actually did that for a little while and then decided okay I'll, I'll, I'll go to a dealership and I'll just work for a dealership and go from there so I ended up working for a Mazda dealership um, shortly after that and I was there for four or five years um, but basically, yeah, I go one Oh two was a very interesting time. I actually, that's when I got introduced to men's Um, okay. firstly, I, I think about Oh one or Oh two and obviously and, and Freckler how, and men. How, how did, yeah. How did you get introduced to them or how did you get introduced to that product? There was a guy here in Australia from Melbourne that was actually using it. Who was a very, 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 very talented detailer. And he actually came over to the dealership one day and actually showed me, you know, with a DA, with a short throw DA at the time, um, you know, basically how to use this stuff. And I said, yeah, it's great stuff. I was, you know, I was obviously seen it on the forums, so yeah. I, I'd researched it. But then he was using it, and he showed me it and came over one day from Melbourne, um, about eight hours drive away. And, and yeah, it was – I was like, wow, that's really good. Because back then it was like, you know, it was – it was in Australia, it was pretty much a lot of people were using, the you know, the Freckler G3. Um, so Men's Erna was sort of like – definitely a sort of level above that and I got into that and I used that for seven or eight years um, 
and um, also actually uh, tried out the PPG System 1 single pulse system as well at that point. But really, 0102 was when I actually started embracing rinseless wash technology with the original no rinse. Um, that's when I started using that as well. So yeah. I was just buying like, whatever I made money I made from City Mazda doing new and used car reconditioning right, right. Um, and preparation and paint protection and all that stuff for them. I would spend half of it on buying product and supplies to basically <laughs> sell my cars and do a few mates' cars as well on the side sort of thing and Right. And, uh, yeah, and it was, yeah. But actually, the one thing I'm actually really proud of is, and I'm not saying I'm the first, I was the first at all, but in 2002, I got rid of got rid of the chamois, bought microfiber yeah. uh, from the guy that actually, the guy that came over to Melbourne, I think it was, um, he knew these guys, uh, which were known as, I think, Concourse Car Care at the time, now wax it one of the, probably the biggest one in Australia for our supplies go, and right. got into microfiber. And then I actually, the time I actually got microfiber, I said, you know what? I reckon in about seven or eight years, we're going to be buffing cars with pads made from this material or something like this, this, this particular material. And, of course, 2010, 11, Maguire's bought it out, but it probably existed by that point in, right. the, uh, in, you know, in the car plants. Apparently, it might have existed by that point. I've been around. Apparently, it's been around since 95, 96, maybe even earlier. So oh, I wow. certainly wasn't the first, but I, to, to actually think like, you know, let's, we'll be buffing cars with this, you know, back that far. You know, I might not have been the first to think of that, but certainly I'm pretty proud yeah. that I did. I predicted. So, yeah. So that was – and that, yeah. I was at City Mazda until 2005, uh, six, um, And I got really annoyed at the fact that uh, at Mazda that they um, – wouldn't listen to me as far as saying I'd say like let's get a brand new red car like a Mazda three or a six or something like that or an RX seven or an RX eight when they came out and let's polish it a bit not too much a bit but make it a bit richer and do some stuff to it put this put the sealant glaze on it and all that stuff and make it nice put it in the showroom and sell it for a few more bucks maybe with a couple of other little options to make it unique no nah, not interested and then it was like oh um, basically um, this car is covered in watermarks. This needs to be watermark removal treatment done plus polishing. So I just deliver it in the sunlight so they can't see it or some shit. And I'm like, yeah, yeah I, I can't, I, I can't yeah. do that. And that's when I decided to go my own way and start my business. So, and it was a yeah. Dealers it was don't a, ever ever spend money because they don't. There always really, going to be somebody that's going to buy the car regardless. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, and they don't. They yeah, don't I really get it to a degree. The value, yeah, they don't see the value that they could charge a bit, like you said, mm. charge a bit more, you know, and the dealership's going to make more money on it or whatever. Um, so when yeah. you left, when you left the Mazda place, did you go out on your own, start your own? Yeah, business? it went out on mine. And as I said, the stupid thing was, um, and I'm not very proud. I'm proud of what I did as far as what work quality I delivered, because uh-huh. uh, I wanted to do nothing but mid range and high end. I was not interested in doing work for dealers or anymore or doing a right. typical sort of production. So I'm not against it, but certainly I, do. I want to do high-end. And, yeah, that makes it difficult because your market's smaller. Um, you know, and I, you know, I was – my dad was a brilliant business guy and he, he had his company at the time, you know. And I just went out and said, as long as I make this much a week, I'll be fine. And I didn't have a business plan. I started doing one sort of thing. And I would call myself over the years – I I sort of was like – I consider myself that the work I delivered and the customer service I gave was world class, but as a business person, I think I'm, I consider myself a bit of a failure because I right. didn't make a ton of money 
most of the time. The first few years were really, really hard. Oh, I was, and I also had a and I had yeah, an issue at the time where under Yeah, oh I didn't undercharge. I mean back in oh. when I first started maybe I did, but pretty much I was thousand, two grand, three grand a car from oh six. So most oh. people, there was no one, hardly, else, hardly anyone else doing that. It was pretty much, you want, you know, two-stage, three-stage correction with like four layers of paint sealant on basically paint and a couple of layers on glass and then polish the trim with my own stuff, which I made, um, which would last years in most cases. Um, you know, it's 1500 bucks, two grand, 1000 bucks minimum. Some services were $500, but that wasn't polishing. And even today, if I was to turn a polisher on now and do a car for somebody, if I ever did, it would be at least a grand. I wouldn't even turn it on right. without that, you right, know. Right. And and look, I've always, I was always high end pricing. I never discounted because I'd rather okay. add value by doing something than actually discount. Then they wait for the next discount. Um, but yeah, yeah, like I said, it was hard, and it, certainly the first few years were tough. A number yeah. of years were tough, and I never really, you know, earned the sort of money that most people did over the years. But the last five or six years were really, really good. Did really well. Um, right. You know. So yeah. Um, the reason why probably that happened is because I was more, I don't know, just so technically minded with all this stuff and and not really into the business side of it as much as I should have been. And I did. And at the time, like for a lot of my, you don't really know, but the car accident I had when I was six weeks of age, which I've mentioned in a podcast before, sort of had an effect on me to the point where basically I was, my mental age was always behind my physical age. Okay. So it's taken me. 30, 40 years to basically get to the point where most people are when they're 25, 26, you know. Oh, wow. I was always five, five, 10 years behind and I was shy and I didn't know how to talk to people properly and, I, you know, all that sort of stuff. And I wouldn't sort of go outside of my typical square of Ford people and Holden guys and try and get European, more European vehicles in and that sort of stuff. Right, but, right. yeah, um, as the years sort of went by, actually the first serious customer I had was a guy oh, with a – before you jump into there, before you jump into there, let's let's do an ad break, and I want to ask you something off of off of what you were talking about before we jump too far forward. So uh, we'll be right back. If you own a detailing business, you need Car Supplies Warehouse. We offer tested and proven solutions to keep your business running strong. We offer wholesale memberships, in-person training, and the best chemicals, products, and tools all in one place. Go to carsuppliedswarehouse.com and use code SOLUTIONS for 15% off. Code is valid for one-time use only. Some restrictions may apply. Go shop now on carsuppliedswarehouse.com. Okay, so um, before, we jump, before we jump further, I want to go back because you mentioned about the, um, the sealant that you were putting on cars that you made yourself. Yeah. So, so how did you do yeah, that? Yeah, the trim stuff. Yeah, so did you, well, did you actually go to like a blender or did you were you just like mixing stuff yourself in the garage or pretty pretty much it was mixing my stuff myself in the garage. I did had some I did by two thousand ten without going too far forward. By two thousand ten I actually had found another brand and which I've been using ever since. Um, wow. who's actually com- company is um, a huge company actually, but what they do for detailing is only 5% of what they do. Um, and found myself a mentor and taught me a lot of chemistry stuff. doesn't mean I'm a chemist by any means or I know that much, but right. taught me some great stuff that no one else did. But um, I was I was tinkering with different stuff as your typical sort of purist enthusiast, full-on hardcore sort of enthusiast slash, you know, slash pro as well. Yeah, I'd mix 
paint sealants into car washes and see what that would do. And I just tried everything, everything outside the box. Every product I bought, I'd stick it on stuff that wasn't meant for to see what it would do. And, it, right. and I just did that. And I eventually found that by going with certain liquids, I managed to find the right blend that I could mix of four, five, six different liquids that would basically allow me to machine polish exterior trim on cars that's that's smooth or semi-textured, not your full textured stuff. Yeah. And if it was urethane or ABS, you know, butane styrene or, you know, any of these other sort of polymer, monomer, whatever they want to call them, rubber, whatever, most of the ones that are quite smooth and have a very, like almost like a, almost a satin finish to them from new, right, right. not your yeah. dead flat matte ones. I could machine that with a rotary with a three-inch pad with the first liquid with one pad, second, the second liquid with a softer pad, and the third liquid with even softer. And you take basically a matte or satin or semi-satin piece of trim to basically look like piano black. And it would be like oh, that wow. for like a year, two years, three years. And in some cases, if you machined it on with a rotary, um, you'd, on some materials it would last you ages. Like I did the rear spoiler on my Falcon, when my Falcon has two spoilers, it's got the bottom and the top, and it actually creates a little bit of downforce, so like 120 plus k's an hour. And the top yeah. part's not painted, and whatever material is, it was this dead flat grey, had no gloss, so I machined that, and that actually has stayed that way for like eight, it was it now 16 years or something? Oh wow! It just hasn't faded, and even all the trim I've done on my car, I've machined. I've I've been machining on, yeah, you know, the liquid can go on paint as well, and I actually polish paint to some degree. And by going over and creating a bit of temperature, you actually bonded it on to the point where all the rubber seals around the cars, around the car's windows, which you don't have on modern cars now, they just went jet black and they've just never faded. They just wow. never have. That's crazy. Because you know? so, I just said, I said to myself, even back in 06, 07, like dressings are good. They've, had, they've got their place, but most of them just burn off. Like yeah. there's got to be a better option. So that's where I sort of come up with my sort of trim dream formula, as I yeah. called it. Um, and I've never sold it, never marketed it really, just done, just mix it up myself. And I haven't done it for a number of years now as far as mixing it up or anything like that because you've got coatings now and you've got dyes and all that stuff. You don't really need it most of the time. So well, if it's lasting of, as long as, as you say it is, I mean, <laughs> why not? It's not? Well, it's because it's not technically my own blend exactly. Like It's not like I've gone to a place and I can say, make me this. So, um, and I, I always wanted something with my, my business. I always wanted to offer what others couldn't offer and what they didn't offer. You've got to have something that they can't offer. So yeah. I've had customers say to me, oh, I've got a Subaru Legacy or WRX and it's got this sort of semi-textured trim on the bottom of the doors and it's flat matte. Can you make it jet black? And I just machine it for like an hour each side and it would right. just come up like, you know, piano black basically. And even if it had texture or peel look to it, it was uh -huh. jet black. Wow, um, and the reason why it lasts is because it doesn't have, I mean, it's it doesn't have polymer silicon or carnival wax or even typical ingredients in it. But okay. I just, you know, it's it's at a point now where pretty much there's other stuff on the market to where it's sort of it's almost obsolete. And on some materials, it won't last as long as it does on others. Um, right, but and, if it does, most, if it doesn't, most, you know, yeah, most newer cars these days don't really have a lot of that trim on it to probably even need. No. Any much no that's right i mean you know besides wiper blade arms which you can do and make them dark as hell and glossy like a mirror i mean they they will fade just the way because the, the materials they'll fade a little bit but all you need is a bit of the step three and black foam and just rub it over it again by hand it'll 
yeah. bring it back and hold it in. But, yeah, I did that. But anyway, um, one of the most interesting times was 2006 to 2006-07 was when I bought a Metabo SXE450 TurboTech, which was basically a DA random orbital sander, but it was dual orbit. And I thought, that's interesting, because I was using a Makita BO6040 or 30 at the time, which was just three mil orbit and it vibrated like mad and it wasn't that great, you know. One of those top-down ones with the, the handle, you know, and your sort of typical sort of cheap sander. Yep. So yep. this thing was way more powerful. It had, I think it went up to like 12,000 orbits per minute. And it had two and a half mil, two and a half mil orbit and 6.25. And all we had to do was push the button and turn the plate and it changed from two and a half to six. And I put a nylon washer in there for like 20 cents and it made it spin it. It wouldn't spin at all, like speed one at all. So I just put a washer mod in it, like Kevin Brown style. Yeah. And basically, yeah. And at that point, I thought the future of DA polishing is dual or variable orbit where you have three to five orbits or six orbits. And I tried to get that happening by talking to manufacturers in Europe via email, a few phone calls and whatever. And they all said, all you need is a rotary. You know, we're not interested, blah, blah, blah. Or they didn't reply yeah. at all. And in 2010, 11, 12, we could have had variable, potentially could have had a variable orbit machine by that point. Right. So I knew that was where the future was. Wow. And, um, you know, it was just like, why aren't you interested? Why are there still today not that many manufacturers interested in making machines that I wanted to make? I've got one that I've talked to a manufacturer about that's well known. They've taken it on board which will okay. be all I can say is it's I can't say exactly how basically it what it is exactly and what makes it unique and it's right. only a, it's a very very good evolution but it's not a not a revolution but it's basically a dual mode machine so you've got both modes but it does something very unique okay. um that's something well, different while, and they're, work, well, while they're talking, working on while you're talking about machines I know I know you and I have had this conversation and I know Jason will 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 want to do this hear this um What's your thoughts on on the new machine that that direct pumps the product into the pad? You don't yeah, have to... yeah. Look, I've always had the idea, always had the thought that I I did want that, but the way the way the Super Shiner works, it's it's still to this day too clunky and too heavy. I think. Yeah. Um, and the trouble is, is you know, I've always thought it was a good idea, but it's to actually implement it where you're you're not got this added weight to the machine and how do you do it without you know it's it's a good it's a good idea and it'd be nice to have because i don't really like i don't really like the way that most well virtually all polish bottles are actually done where you've got the bottle at the top it should be fill it from the top and then empty it from the bottom but with different viscosities of polishes thin runny you know, spray on thick. You've got to have different silicon valves for each one of those FIFO bottles. Otherwise, it piss the wrong one. It would piss all out the bottom of the bottle. There's right, no yeah. cap. Yeah. Um. So I thought it'd be a good idea to go through the machine, and with obviously wet polishes, it comes through like the hose line comes through, and it goes through the center like a water hole in the backing plate. But right. I mean, it's a good concept, and the 2024 model that this guy has done or will be doing is better, but then it comes down to, well, does he supply the machines and how good are his machines or is it just stick it on top? But even then it's still too, it's still too sort of weighty and clunky to me. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't really know how you can probably do it. And it's, is it really worth the effort? You know, my concern, my concern with it is, you know, how do you 
keep the pad from, you know, getting oversaturated with, you know, destroy that pad in like just a few passes. Yeah. Yeah. And if you, and also what about if you, you're pumping it through with a new pad and you've done that and you're using the pad washer and you're, you're doing all cleaning it all the time and then you leave it and it all, and the line gets clogged up and it doesn't want to come out anymore. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so I'm I'm not saying it's wrong. Oh, it's, it's I think it's ahead are. of its time. I think it's, it's oh, a yeah. machine that's definitely ahead of its time and that with, you know, more time given into that thought, it, it'll just get better. Yeah. yeah. So maybe I, I, I got to get the white years, down. I think. Yeah. I think yeah. it would be cooler if there was a way to load your product into the actual machine like a cartridge or something so it's not like a yeah. big bottle sitting on top you, you know better, yeah there was... shut alex yeah i know <laughs> listen listen i, I mean, already i already, i'm already worried um i'm already worried that that dean and nick or not dean sorry uh, dean's calling me uh dylan and uh and nick were gonna steal my idea when i talked when i was talking to them at mte um about rupus and i i, I told him i said you know mm. it'd be really cool if you guys put a little um leveling bubble on the machine so you know if okay. you're you know pushing too far down yeah. on the handle angled or you're, yeah you're tilting yeah. it or angling it or something and um and they both were kind of like oh we would never do that and i said well, i'm gonna go put one on my machine and take a picture of it now just in case you guys hey. show up to schema in I, 2024 yeah. With a yeah. well with all the with all the people well the few people that i actually have done training sessions with and i'm gonna be uh-huh. doing a lot more of that this year and I wanted to start, I'm working on a program to do some seriously deep, you know, like group training and one-on-one eventually sometime this year. Um, And then probably even more the year after that. And I'm not saying I'm a great trainer, but there's a lot of stuff I want to teach and pass on. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's, um, it's a good, that's a good idea because I've watched a lot of people over the years that I've sort of met that are detailers. Well, not too many detailers, but people that were, well, the the detailers are fairly new and I've been, you know, doing some classes with them and and you watch them and the amount of times that they're always fractionally tilting is actually quite a lot. Yeah. Even I've I, done I, it sometimes I've gone and I look yeah. at them and I'm oops, I'm a bit, I'm tilting a bit fraction this much. Yep. And with or rotary, it's like, you, not so bad. You but, tilt side to side or you t- lean back on it too much. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, watched, I watched some friends who, who, you know, you know, they're, they're doing it. And I'm just like, dude, you're leaning, you're, you're tilting it too much on the back end. You know, you got to flatten out your pad and, um, yeah. you know, so, so yeah, I, that was my idea. So Rupes, if you take it, uh, just, you know, mm. kick, kick, kick Royalties, me back. Baby. Yeah. Kick me, kick me back a, a, I, you know, a couple sandwiches yeah. every now and then or something. And I, <laughs> I had, and I, and here's another thing I had a, um, I had contacted Rupes before about, and Dylan knew about it, and Jason knew about it, I think, um, about making a mini version of a force rotation and random orbital machine, like a three-inch version. It's force uh-huh. and random. Everything that's force rotation should have random as well, right? Um, in my view. Um, and I, I call it the Cinquecento, which is Italian for 500 watts. Or, or, right. was, it, or was it? No, because Mille is 1,000, Cinquecento is a 500. Right. I thought little 500 watt, even maybe smaller than that, 400 watt, you know, three-inch force rotation, because if I'm using force rotation, yes, I can use five-inch pads, I can use six-inch pads, I can use seven-inch, but I always like the certain places, sometimes you just need a three-inch. And I mean, there's a lot of people that can actually do it without that. Basis. When I first started, I did everything with an eight-inch pad. Right. Everywhere. <laughs> right. Oh, but yeah. I wouldn't do it now. 
I wouldn't well, do yeah, it now because that's all there was was rotaries with eight inch pads. Right. I didn't have yeah, seven inch. Well, there were six back, inches, seven inch, but an eight inch. But that was the thing, and it's yeah. like I just want. I don't want to be random orbital large throwing an area after I force rotation five six mil. Does it give it a different look? Is it going to change how the three inch area is going to look different to the rest of it because it's different throw and different machine action? You know, yeah. it may maybe not. There are little subtle, subtle differences, but it's like, what if there is? So I want to use four three inch and four six inch, or five inch and six that, inch. That so yeah. and they, they've, they've done nothing with it. And I even mentioned about doing like an anniversary model in twenty twenty. One for like the 10 years of Bigfoot doing a Mark IV, brushless motors, all that stuff. That's still got to happen. Um, yeah. But anyway, like I said, yeah. they've well, listened, um, you know. Let's, let's yeah. just jump into another commercial real quick and then we'll we'll come back yeah. and think you know what you want to go Go through. into Donna Braids and coatings and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Where are we at? What have we done? Sorry, I, we did details roadmap and we did uh, car supplies warehouse, right? Yep. Oh, here we go. Now is your chance to try Oberk's new rinseless wash and quick detailer. Additionally, you can save fifteen percent by using coupon code DSP, all capital letters. This hyperconcentrate can be diluted down for a rinseless wash and a quick detailer. It serves excellent as a clay bar lubricant and truly smells incredible. To find out more, please visit obercarcare.com. All right. Sorry about the little brain cool. fart. I was looking at our time, and hey. I was like, wait, how many episodes or how many commercials have I done or whatever? Um, yeah. It's all right. Yeah. yeah. So, so basically, we're at sort of 07, 08, 09, and that's when I started uh, with coatings. I was first first coating I ever brought in was the uh, or got in was the G Technique C one, which was a yeah, the crystal lacquer, which okay. if you made a mistake with that was on and it dripped down a window it was basically like having dried tree sap on the window and you got to chisel it off. Oh, you know, it was good gear back. At the, yeah, it was full on. Um, and I actually got to know Robert Earl a little bit and Drew Gill I think was the guy that started G Technique and I had I'd started with that when before there was even an importer a distributor here for it. And not that, you know, there's been people that have been using coatings like Nialic Industrial Coating, which I've seen way back in the 90s and early 2000s and all the early you know, early ones. I think Rennie's probably been using coating since 98 or 2000 minimum. So I'm certainly not the first, but I've always sort of been, I, on mass, I've been in that sort of top 5% that's sort of been looking at what's next and getting it. So got into that and the C1 and... Eventually, we started getting it, I think, in 500 mil bottles, about $2,500 at the time. And, and the boss was like, I was actually, in 2010 onwards, I started working for a company part-time called Splash Car Wash, which okay. was a high-end car wash in the Adelaide, near the Adelaide Hills, which was, you know, your Bentleys, your Porsches, your Ferraris, all that sort of cars would come in. We had a detail center there. We'd have three staff and be me and two other guys polishing these cars. Lexus of Adelaide, actually. Um, we're the only dealership I know of that actually would pay us 300 bucks or 400 bucks to like put put a coating or a sealant on probably most of it was a coating on the on their cars when they were brand new, put them out in the lot, and then when they actually got sold, they would the customer would pay to have us remove it, fix anything up, any swells or whatever, and then put the coating on. So, and then we got to do a LFA, the second LFA in Adelaide, I think, Black. Oh wow. 
way nice. back then. Yeah, that was pretty. That was pretty cool. Paint man, the paint was soft on that thing when it came in too. Like it was oh, yeah. so fresh. Yeah. But um, yeah, and then of course, um, obviously two thousand eight, seven, eight, nine. Thanks to Barry Thiel with his videos on YouTube, I saw the Donner Braid long throw units, which you may know of. You may know not may not. Which were uh, basically. I've, I've heard of them. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the aluminium sort of, you know, head that you stick on a rotary or a grinder. Yeah. Um, with 19 mil orbit with locked mode and or offset mode as offset rotary, as Kevin calls it basically, which like a locked mode where a pin locked it in place. So it was like having a rotary with 19 mil orbit. And right. boy, would that remove some defect. Um, so, yeah, I got into those, bought a few of those, got the Australian version with the 14 mil thread. And I used those up until 2016, 17 because the sheer power that machines I combined it with did, as I've mentioned in other podcasts before, with the Flex L3406 with 14, 1500 watts of power, 35 newton meters of torque to where you couldn't bog it down with your entire body weight. Um, and you'd run it at like speed two or three, and the machine only weighed 2.1 kilo. So it was light as anything. Um, but yeah, in 2010, I actually found um, denim pads and velvet pads. Okay. Uh, from that company Osrin in Malaysia. Yeah. And they've been probably using them since the 80s, and I got into those and yeah, started playing around with those. For, yeah, for everybody yeah. the orange pill removal for, um, pads. Yeah. yeah what was the velvet? Uh, what you use the velvet for? I know you denim and stuff, but... Well, the velvet one is like three sort of classes, like the 3,000 grit, slightly less aggressive, and the denim's a bit more aggressive again. And I yeah. found the velvet to be a bit better for... And again, you, I mean, I've, I haven't used them that much for a number of years now, but... I was I was I tried out their liquids and their liquids were a bit uh, at the time. Yeah, they would correct and level like mad, but they were scary and they stunk like you know they stunk a bit like petroleum. But they would do the job. But I I switched out to what I was using at the time, which I'm still using today, single polish systems. So one each one liquid, you know, to correct and finish basically for hard paint, one for medium, one for soft, or you can mix them all together, you know, and do different things. Um, and yeah, basically did that. I think I even said sent message told Hog Trooper about it once and sent him a couple of pads, I think, at one point. I think. Oh wow. Um and it was actually quite interesting that in twenty fourteen, um, when I had my first interview with a podcast with, with Jimbo, he'd never heard of them. I figured everyone's heard of these. You know, <laughs> you know, but I hadn't. But yeah. Um yeah, so I think the first Pretty much, one I, you know. I got, Corey, Corey gave me one um, over at Sky's the Limit, and I think that was back mm. in 2016, maybe 2017. Um, yeah. But I, I didn't know – I didn't really know how to use it, so I never used it and and ended up mm. just pitching it one day because I was like, ah, I've never used this thing. I'll just throw it away. Yeah. You know. Yeah, well, they certainly can create some damage if you get them. Yeah. If you get those hot, well, you get you get the panel hot using them. They'll be freaking steaming as well as the panel. Yeah. So yeah, you, you, you got to watch them. Yeah, you got to watch them, and you can put pretty deep scour marks in there if you actually it starts like all your lubrication of your pop, your compounds and polishes whatever dry out. All of a yeah. sudden, you can and put these dry, big big ring marks them. in them. Yeah, and it dries out the compound pretty quickly, if I remember correctly. Yeah, you can. Yeah. And what I've found, from my experience, even with the single polish systems, which take long, it's more of a progressive cut because, you know, the way they work, um, it takes longer to get the actual def the, the peel down to where you want it, but it yeah. actually doesn't 
it makes the pads actually finish out much better to the point where a couple of times on medium hardness paint, I didn't have any holograms at all with a rotary doing it. Oh, wow. Whereas when they were showing how to do it, it was like first step scours the shit out of it. Second step, you get the wool out and you do that and clean it up. Then you clean up with the foam. Whereas I was like one step, it's hologram free on some paints. Other times it's slightly marred. And the second pad, bang, you're done. So yeah. I took, it cost me a bit more time to get the initial peel level down to the way I wanted it. But then you didn't have all this crap to fix because of the way the technology of the abrasives work. They're not, you know, sharply faced and food grade abrasives and teary and scary. But, um, yeah. But that, what I find is if you keep those damn things clean, spraying with liquid, you know, blowing with compressed air, or keep doing it and not letting them build up with all this white, cakey residue, yeah. they will work. They will finish out better than if you just keep putting stuff on, like any, anything. You know, so, um, yeah. So where are we? So about 2012, 11, 12, I actually found a company in the UK. I started buying pads from them called Flexi Pads. Uh-huh. They're still around. They have a few different pads I, I like. Not as many now as they as they did have. But um, started using, obviously, I was actually started using these sort of Asian-style DA wool pads on a, on a DA, which were had these ones, what was it called? It was like a New Zealand superfine grade wool on a very thin, very thin pile. You know, yeah, yeah. basically it looked like a microfiber pad, but it was wool. Right. Um, and I started you started using those, and then of course they became more popular as well over the years. To where we've got we've got all the different versions now and all that sort of stuff, and buying pads and everything else like that. And then I went to the US in 2013. Uh, met this guy. Well, this guy stalked me on I think on a forum I reckon at one point. <laughs> In 07, we started talking and that, and he said four or five years later, he goes, come on over to the States and give me a hand, you know, setting up my thing in, in, in the US and went over there. And it was like half holiday, half work trip sort of thing. And I was there for three months in beautiful Boise, Idaho, and then we went off to a few other states on holiday for a few weeks or whatever. And that was that was an eye-opening trip, I can tell you. It was it was amazing. And uh, went back again. Oh, sorry, 2010 I did that, and then 2013 I went back again. And we nice. went across seven states in a Dodge Magnum. But um, <laughs> oh, basically, the old yeah, so, Magnum, man. Jeez. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, oh, saw yeah. Those, I saw one of those the other day, and I was like, wow, who still has a, dog, a Dodge Magnum? Oh, yeah. Freaking V8 all the way across you know, Utah, Colorado, yeah. Kansas, and all the way through to Texas, to Dallas. Dallas, too much Dallas. But... I, yeah. I'm surprised, honestly, that they did that they never come back out with it and made it a hemi version because i mean or i mean not a hemi version uh like a hellcat version because yeah because it kind of was like the first hemi you know uh car like in the re the re era you know of the Mm -hmm. 2000s Mm. or whatever yeah 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 Yeah, exactly well matt hang hang on a second matt let's let's jump into another commercial real quick and then i'll let you sure all right we'll be right back still sitting on a bucket or poorly built shop stool Aren't you tired of the discomfort and back pain caused by your lousy shop stool? The days of tiny casters and thin seats are over. Meet the Viper Chair, America's number one shop chair made right here in the USA. The Viper Chair glides over any surface and loose debris with four-inch industrial-grade casters. Relieve your lower back pain with the perfectly angled backrest. Prevent tipping and improve posture with a wide, sturdy base. Viper Chairs are designed for every industry, automotive, detailing, 
welding, or any other project in your garage, no matter what you love to do. With an artillery of accessories, Viper is here to help you with whatever the job requires. Stop wasting your money buying cheap China-made shop stools and get yourself a Viper chair. Handcrafted right here in America. Visit ViperIndustrial.com now for our $50 site-wide sale. But hurry, this sale ends soon. Shop ViperIndustrial.com. That's V-Y-P-E-R Industrial.com. And don't forget to use the code DSP25, and you'll save an additional 25% off. Stack them. That's pretty damn good. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So, yeah. Um, So, basically, uh, what are we, 2010, 2011, 12? Yeah, you're talking about FlexiPad? Yeah, the FlexiPads in the UK, they would would say to me, like, okay, look, we'll do – if you buy a grand's worth, we'll do free shipping, free free email, three or four days – and I and then give you a bit of a discount on each pad, and you know I'd buy mock their mock proper pads, and I'd buy their DA walls, right. and they also had this pad that's called an ivory pad that was in a in the Arbuff line, and also in a regular, which was like a rotary waffle style than normal flat pad. Then they came out with a DA version later, but this ivory pad was like 110 four per inch, and it was like on a rotary at low speed with a finishing polish. You know, it was like oh man, the oh, boss yeah. level. It was insane. Um, so I'd buy, I, I bought off of them for a long time. But then in 2013, 14, I said, all right, I said, pad prices are, you know, here, a little bit out of control. And I'm, you know, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't chew through pads. My pads last me ages. I've got some pads I haven't used for a fair number of years, of course, but have lasted me, you know, 20 years and they still look almost new. Um, wow. Most pads I get 100 cars out of them. Um, in most cases. And I said, I'm going to go and do a worldwide search and I'm going to find a phone manufacturer that buy direct from out of Europe because Europe has all the best, you know, pre-polymer oh, yeah. where you close an open cell phone. And some companies wouldn't deal with me. Rectocell wouldn't deal with me, which is a Belgian company. Um, they, they wouldn't convert them and wouldn't sell them to me in the, in the quantity, I, in a lower quantity than they used to because most of those companies are pretty much, you know, people are buying 50,000 a year or something like that. Or these yeah. paint plants, and I yeah. but I found one out of Europe actually, out of uh, in in uh, in Europe that was Eastern Europe, so it was, on the, and um, they said, yeah, sure, like you know, we'll send you some samples, here's some free stuff, try them out, and they only had, and their their main thing was they supply tack rags and robot covers and other stuff like that to, you know, all the European car manufacturers, paint plants, okay, and and pads and stuff, and they only had a small range of pads, but I tried this blue one, and this white one. And they said these last twice as long as the average pad, and this blue one's designed to be used at high speed or low speed and last ages and finish out. And basically, you can do intermediate, your know, light cutting, heavy polishing, and semi finishing or finishing almost. So I, I I tried these pads, loved them, ordered three hundred of them. I think I ordered a hundred of them at the time. Then I ordered three hundred later, and I would just cycle through cycle through sets of them. So your heat cycles counts would would be very low, kept right. them clean. And, and yeah, basically that's, that's basically what you now know as sort of your, your blue SDO, HDO, pretty much, well, at least SDO anyway. I mean, yeah. if it's not the same phone, it's bloody, it's so close. It's not funny. Yeah. Um, and I love that foam pad. I love that foam. It's just, it's got tiny little cells. So the smaller the cells are, usually the better the foam will finish in most cases. And right. I just love that foam. And the white foam is actually um, today sold by another company as um, that's a very, very durable cutting pad that lasts twice as long as the average pad. 
and it's very, very good. So, yeah, and they've been sending me stuff for some samples of their newest stuff they do. They don't do a lot of pads, and most of the industry doesn't know know about them because they don't supply to really our industry that much. They're more about right. you know, your OEM paint plants. But, yeah, I started doing that, and, and this is the thing about going into pad pricing. I understand with with pad pricing in the US, it's pretty, it's pretty decent. And in Australia, in most cases, there's pads for 10 bucks, there's pads for 15, 20, and some of them they go 25, 35, like the, the microfibers these days. Um, but these guys were saying to me, righto, you're going to buy 300 or 500 of these pads. Okay, each one of these pads in five inch or whatever size you want, whatever edge profile you want. They had eight different edge profiles you could have silicone, cone, rounded edge, UFO, like a beveled edge, whatever you want, right? And it's, a, it's one to one to two euros a piece okay. for a pad. So okay. by the time they got here with shipping, it was like four bucks a pad. Wow. And that tells you something about what foam really does cost. And there's a lot of technology to foam, but once I went and said, well, shit, like, you know, I understand that people buy, suppliers will buy from companies and they've got to make their money and they've got to make their, theirs on top of that. And some of the time, yes, it's going to be 15, 10 $15, 20 but when they start yeah. going to being $14 for a three and a half inch pad or 20, you know, or 11, 12, 13, 14 bucks for three inch, which you can just punch out yourself if you want, which I can, um, yeah. or, you know, well over 20 at least, well, well over 20 into the 30, you start going, hmm, at least with phone, microfiber might be more expensive. Um, and yeah. that's why you know, it costs what it does. But yeah. I mean, <laughs> Even well, today, if I, order, yeah. you know, if I ordered a thousand of them, which I probably could do, um, it probably only cost me three or four grand, and it'd probably be two point eight euro a piece, maybe yeah. even less than that because I bought a thousand, not three hundred. So right. I'm not saying you go out there, everyone should go out there sell chip pads cheap, but that's what foam sort of. And imagine what you'd get if you bought twenty or thirty thousand of them if you were a paint plant place. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, I remember when I first you know, kind of got into this and, and was buying stuff through, through Corey at sky's the limit. Cause again, he's, he's so yeah, I like him. And, and I remember he had a Shoals spider cut pad that was like 30 yep, bucks. Love him. And I was like, yeah. 30 bucks for Dang. one pad. I was like, are you kidding me? Like yeah, they are expensive. Yeah, I've spoken to Andreas it. at Shoal before. Uh-huh. Um, I speak to everybody. I speak to everybody. I talk to, I'll talk to all sorts of people. And probably drive some people nuts, but I talk to all sorts of people. But I have talked to, emailed backwards and forwards with Andreas at Shell Concepts. I'm not a huge fan of their liquids that much, but I've got to admit, I do love that gold spider or the honey yeah. spider pad. That is a killer pad. I've got one of them, only one of them, because they are $30 odd dollars here. Yeah, yeah, but, exactly. yeah, they are free. They're a bloody, on a random orbital, they're especially, they're a bloody good pad. Yeah, I, I never bought one to try it because I was like, that's way too rich. Oh, dude, you gotta try it. Especially when I was just starting out, you know, I was like, I can't afford it. Oh, this. fair enough. You yeah, know, and, they and, are expensive. They yeah, are. Yeah. But man, it's a good pad because it's basically like having a finishing pad that can have the cutting abilities maybe of a white traditional Lake Country CCS pad or something. Right, right. Now, it's got some bite. And, and there's what you do with the spider, the spider design. With the little squares, it creates more surface area, um, yeah. which means you get more. You can get more cutting, that sort of thing, and it can also hold in more residue and bury it down and all that stuff. Yeah. And I've found on gear driven, I've had a couple of times where that pads, that pads marred a bit because of with that with that action. But that could be just me. But on a random, it's just yeah, or a rotary, it's fantastic, yeah. and it's it's a great pad. It really is a great pad. 
Yeah. So, yeah. but yes, they are show are expensive, but it's a good pad. Yeah, and yeah. they're durable. So yeah, I mean, I you um, know, I mean, I get it. You know, most Rupes pads are in that fifteen, sixteen dollar range, and there's a few that are, you know, maybe seventeen, eighteen. But you know, yeah. over here, over here for the most part, I mean, you can get a really good. You know, you you can find a deal that, you know, a lot of these, you know. Like detailed image or autoality, I'm sure car supplies yeah, warehouse, de- auto geek, detailing.com. Yeah, I mean, you can get them, you know, at some pretty decent, you know, discounted prices yeah. or, you know, whatever. And, and they're not too crazy. You know, you kind of get like the membership, you know, deal or whatever. Mm. Um, you know, and it's, 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 you know, then, you, then you're only paying seven, eight, nine, ten dollars a pad, maybe 12 bucks at yeah. most. I mean, it's not too crazy. Yeah. It's not too bad. And, most, and there are no. plenty of pads out there that are going to be within that sort of range. And if you go through a company in Australia and you get trade pricing, you can probably get those blue STOs for 8 bucks, yeah. 9 10 bucks, probably around there somewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, like I said, I'm not, I'm not – everyone's got to make their money, make some money, but it's just when they, people get greedy. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I have to admit, like, I've always been someone that goes, you know, think bigger. And if I was to start today, if I could – um, well, I don't, I won't, but basically I would be, and I, let's say, I, for example, I had myself in a shop and I had a few other guys doing mobile stuff in vans. I'd be buying thousand litre containers of some of the chemicals that mm-hmm. are probably two and a half grand to buy to can them into 20 litre containers for the vans and the other things. And then going, okay, I'm, let's get all the pads in bulk. We'll buy from, we'll buy the white ones and blue, blue, white foam and blue foam, maybe the greens, one step foam from the guys in Europe at somewhere between 1.9 and 2.8 euro. By the time they come over here, they're probably like five, six, seven bucks yeah. at most. And, you know, buy a thousand of them. And basically think bigger. Um, you know, like that's how I see it. But right. not everyone's got the money for that. But, yeah, more people need to think bigger. Yeah. Let's jump into uh, our last ad break and we'll be right back. Sure, man. What's happening, Detail Solutions Podcast? Ian here from Autofiber. I've got a special discount for our Towel of the Month Club. T-O-T-M 25 will get you 25% off of the Towel of the Month Club. And in the Towel of the Month Club, pretty much you sign up, pay for a year, and every month we're going to send you a different sample of a different type of towel or applicator. So it's a good way of different samples and try different types of our products. So use TOTM25 at checkout for 25% off. Man, he has as, as much enthusiasm as your fucking commercial. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Man, thank God you don't play those on at the same time on one episode, man. Yeah. God. Wait, what are you what are you talking about? All my, which one? The one you did uh, yesterday. Oh, the manscape. The three, two, two one. All right. Well, we'll redo, we can redo the manscaped one, and you can do the countdown. How about that? I never said I was no. going to be better at it. Oh. All right, then shut <laughs> up. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I want to get into something here, and I know okay. it's only it's only vehicle washing, so okay. it matters. It does matter, but it's not like you know rocket science or 
you know, people should probably people should always do it the way they want to do something, the way they like it, and if you like it, fine. But um, basically, I mean, these days I'm probably ninety percent rinseless only. Um, but yes, there's a time and place for soap, and and I'm not really into snow foaming and all that sort of stuff. But there is a time and place for it on you know, wheels and wheel arches and tires and all that. Really is nice, and if you're a really muddy car, fair enough, it'll make a difference. But not just that, but I, I'm actually amazed that this industry hasn't fully embraced zero bucket washing methods. And what I mean by that is you've still got a pressure washer. You may foam the car. You may not foam the car with a cannon. But you basically don't use a bucket, period, with soap. Um, I, don't, I don't use buckets. Like buckets either. I, 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 might get, I, might get, I might get ridiculed, but I do it I exactly. I don't give a shit. Yeah, I do it. Do you don't it like do shit yet. I'll do it like Maddie says. Yeah. I, I foam it and then I just I wet my my mitt or my mm, yeah. my my uh my towel or whatever I'm using and then I yep. just go and then I just go to town down. and I and I yes. refoam yep. refoam where needed. Yes. I rinse my yep. my my mitt or my, my microfiber towel or whatever out as needed. Yeah, yep. And no no grit separators. No need yeah. for that. But um, there's a guy I know, I've known for over 20 years. He's a very smart man. He's got a, uh, been detailing for a long time, mostly with a rotary only. He's a whiz with a rotary. And he came up with the zero bucket wash method. People have probably seen it on YouTube over the years. Back in 06, he was doing it where, you know, you you'll, you can be pre, pre-soaking, whatever else, high pressure rinsing, whatever. And then he would just get his wash mitt. He'll put, he'll have the soap at a much higher concentration ratio because he, basically said that if you put 100 mil or even less in a 20-litre bucket or even 11-litre bucket, you haven't got enough suspension or lubrication. Um, so he's just gone, okay, line of soap, rub it around, spray or in a spray bottle and just glides it, turns it over to the other side, another panel, high-pressure rinses the mitt uh, off the car, basically. So you're showering it, you're not bathing it in a bucket, which the second bucket can't do that much. Which is why, yeah. to me, the two bucket method is basically obsolete and should be just abolished ages ago. Um, <laughs> um, you know, even one bucket with like ten mitts is, or several mitts, which people don't like, but it's fast, uh, is yeah. better than two bucket. So you're showering it, and then you just keep going. Or you can, yeah, you can high pressure rinse it, or you can. I, what I would do usually is spray, get rinse, get the rinseless wash, whether it's no rinse or the the nine one four or the absolute. If I ever do get that. And just spray the whole car dry. It's dry with that, and just pre-soak it with the pump spray thing. Wait, and then high pressure it, and then just go to town with the shampoo or foam it, and do that, or just go straight to the shampoo. The shampoo, but yeah, yeah like it, it amazes me. Like, and look, everyone's got to do things the way they like, it. and if they like it that way and they love foaming, go to town. Like Ivan says, you know, yeah. go to town. But you know, the time it takes to have clean buckets. You know, you've got buckets, you use it to clean them. Then the time it spends to fill them and get the foaming going, all that. You know, you're pretty much done two or three panels by that point with without buckets and all that stuff. So yeah, right. I just wanted to mention that anyway. But, um, yeah, pretty much, as I said, as the years went by, um, been working on some new ideas, different machines. Obviously, there's one of them that's already been sent to the R&D team for, from a manufacturer. I said, oh, I haven't got the money to make it myself or design it myself and come up with schematic drawings or whatever, and I can't make it and I haven't got money for it. So there you go. Have that one. It's the it's yeah. the least of the two. The other one I've got is massively revolutionary. I have some idea how it would work, 
as a polishing machine. Right. Um, but again, I'm not going to share it. It's going to stay with me until something can happen. If it doesn't, fine. Um, but yeah, um, I'm just somebody that's very, very passionate about this industry. And even if I'm now sort of in the point where I'm like, I'm almost retired from it, I still tinker. I still look at stuff. I still talk to people and I, and I just love it. And I just wish it would just, you know, not just grow, but actually just be just the way everyone gets along. Just, right. I think America is getting a lot better at actually like people getting along and networking and you've got more events than we ever would have here. Yeah. Um, but I just want it to, you know, people to leave their ego at the door and basically just it will be united for a common purpose. And if we, even if we don't all get along 100% we use different liquids and don't like this and that, just yeah. be civil, you know. Yeah. And, and think and, and think I, bigger. Think, think bigger. It's getting better at that, at, honestly. Yeah. I mean, mm. if, if, you, oh. if you just, you know, if you just turn it off, if you just turn off the noise and stay out of the certain groups or stay out of the certain mm. chats or whatever, it's it definitely – gets better but the minute that you get sucked into that negativity like i always say negative you know i mean quicksand right it's not my saying but you know like negativity breeds negativity and that's what i always try to tell people especially you know our Mm. good friend here here jason who you know has a has a tendency sometimes of uh (laughs) you know letting his letting his uh uh, my mouth get ahead of me yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I've, yeah. I've, I've, yeah. I've been there myself. I mean, there's been times on Autopia yeah. and other places that have been very opinionated, and and you know, I I've certainly got myself in trouble a couple, a number, a few times, and but there was one time on Facebook I mentioned something like I said, oh, like Australia, my ment, well, my mentor says it, but a lot of some other people say it. The Australia used to be a dumping ground for stuff that didn't didn't cut it in the UK and America and other places. Right. Um, now, not necessarily always the case, but there's plenty of good stuff out here. But yeah, definitely, almost some people think like it's a dumping ground for for, for stuff for crap. Um, and I did oh, another range of stuff from the US coming over here, people buying or trying to sell. And some of the American detailers and even some of the high end people that are very high up in the industry sort of gave me a hard time on the on Facebook. And I just decided that okay, look, if I've upset anyone, I'll go on and I'll actually do a video. And I will apologize on video and for my statement or whatever, if I've pissed anyone off, whatever else. And they were like, man, you're a stand-up guy. Cool, man. They left me alone after that because I was happy yeah. enough to go, I fucked up, you know, whatever. If I have fucked up, I'm sorry. Blah, blah, blah. Not that I'm always a people pleaser. I used to be, but now I realize you just can't. You can't please everyone. Um, and even the best people, like my my hero, you know, Bruce Lee, pissed people off and ruffled feathers and whatever else. Yeah. Um, but certainly I mean well. But sometimes I do, you know, it, it, it yeah. happens to happen. But I, but I, as I've gotten off of 99% or 99.9% of the detailing groups, and I'm only on a new one that's an Australian one for pros only, and if you screw up more than once or twice, you're basically kicked down immediately. Um, and and pain assassins will go and have a look sometimes and post occasionally. Like, that's it. I'm not getting involved in any others because there's some other ones out there that, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you've got potential of all sorts of problems. So... Yeah. And and yeah, and I'm I'm not saying that I haven't got more. Well, I know everything. I have got still got plenty to learn. I'm sure. I'm sure if right. I finally got a chance to catch up with catch up with Jason Rose and and Kevin Brown and some of these other guys I I know, I'd learn heaps of stuff. I might I might share some good knowledge to them, but I'll learn tons more still yet. Um, 
but but it's not like I go on a lot of places and I go, gee, I didn't know that. Like there are some things you pick up, but there's not a lot. So yeah. um, there's yeah. still plenty to learn, I think, but not to the point where I can be on a forum and I go, well, yeah, I'm really learning a lot here. So, but yeah, yeah. I'll pick up things. But yeah, yeah. well, well but, listen, um, it's been an interesting journey, mate. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, before we get too long with this, I do mm. want to give. One of the reasons why Jason jumped on is because Jason does want to ask you a question. So I want to give Jason the opportunity, the opportunity to it's ask a you a question. And then when Jason's done, then I'll I'll ask you my my exit question that I've been asking everybody so far. Okie dokie. So Here there was go. a recent Facebook post that I've seen, and I was I, I wouldn't call it jealous, but I was just like env- envious. I was like, damn, that's awesome. It was your video game collection, dude. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, yeah. can you talk about that a little bit? And do you like still play video games, or you just collect them? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, actually, retro, retro. Well, video games and movies and video formats are my first love before detailing. Um, that started in the late in the late seventy seven seventy eight when I got a we got a Hanamex like Pong console thing that had like a gun and seven games, and it was mostly Pong games, but you could shoot at the screen. Then I got yeah. it in television, which I still have, and I just got into gaming, got into Commodore 64s and 128D, which I still got. And, yeah, like I don't have a ton. I've got friends, like my friend John from Canada, that's come, originally from Canada, that's coming today, tonight, and another friend who've got stacks and stacks. There's one guy, James, He's he must have every version of, every, of, of Mega Drive ever released on the planet, basically, and he must have – he's got pinballs, arcades, probably like 70 or 80 or 100 consoles, the original boxes for those consoles, wow. games for those consoles. It's it's mind-blowing. Um, but, yeah, I absolutely love video games. Do I live on them and use them as much as I used to? No, but I, I'm basically 78, 1978 to 2013 is basically where I, I, I go. So so Xbox 360 and Forza Motorsport 4 is as far as I is as late as I go. Man, so you don't I even won't. have no new gens, do you? Nah, I mean I, I like them, but I'm I'm not going to buy any. I'm I'm happy to stick <laughs> with that. I'm happy with my 128D and my Mega Drive and Master System and my television and the and the PS1, and the PS2, PS3. Yeah, the PS1's a classic, man. Oh, I do love that I intro love too the when PS1, it starts up, dude. Yeah, yes, yes dude. With, so with the NTS memories. with the NTSC mod, so I could play Grand Turismo, a copy of Grand Turismo 2 that I didn't have at the time that was from the US. <laughs> Someone copied. Uh, and I've got an Xbox first gen, which has got about 15,000 games on it. And I just got an arcade stick recently Holy for crap. it. Wow. Yeah. Um, so it's got all the arcade games on it. It's, it's going to die eventually. Power supplies are starting to be a bit of a pain. And a couple of the games that are on there that have got like all the different consoles have shit themselves. But there's a place called Game Fix here in Adelaide that uh, fixes up my 360s and my Xboxes whenever I need to. Oh, so, yeah, I love that stuff. Part? Oh, you can. He's got he's got machines hanging around, whatever else. So it, one day it'll become hard for a lot of this stuff. But my you other love, of course. It? You ever going to sell uh, any of this stuff? Nah, or you're just going to collect? Never. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm pretty much pretty much collecting. I just got the, that name, well, the 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 racing instruction set for the one uh, Commodore 64 recently because I, I've been playing that game for 30 years and. Basically, it's just like, well, I never had an original copy. It was going fairly cheap in the UK. And I said, okay, I'll grab that. It's pretty rare. Um, but yeah, I, I, my main thing is I love that, but also I love Betamax and Laserdisc and VHS. So mm-hmm. I've still got a couple of Sony Betamax players. One of them is a Super Beta Hi-Fi. So basically, like a, they're a version of Super VHS, a bit better. 
where the the the, the VHS tape comes, uh, the bit of tape comes out um, on like a tray, slides out like a CD thing and lifts up, and you put the tape in, and it goes. Nrr. Yeah, does that, and that, that those machines are still going probably a thousand bucks today if you can get one. Wow. Um, and yeah, and I've got five laser disc players, and I had three and a half thousand VHS movies originally, but I've sold. 3,000 of them because there was a bunch I never watched. Some I've watched a few times. I said, I want my stuff face out on display as much as possible. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to piss off all these while everyone's up, everyone's paying good money for them and, and just keep what really matters. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. Um, Mm. All right, Maddie. Maddie. So the last question is the Mm. question question that I started asking everybody um, to end out the episode is uh, when did you realize your worth? Probably a bit later than it should have, but probably around about 20, probably after 20, probably even after 2012, 13, really. Um, you know, I, I figured for years that everyone's doing detailing that I was doing, like, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. Yeah. Uh, I figured that everyone in Adelaide's doing what I'm doing. They're doing three-step rotary and DA. And everyone's doing this high-end sort of work. But then I realized they, most of them weren't um, eventually. But I just, everyone's, everyone's like, they're all doing that sort of thing. So why am I any different? Why am I any, you know? And there's people that are faster than me. There's people that are probably smarter than me in different areas. I'm a pretty humble guy, easygoing. But, um, yeah, probably 13, 14, I started to go, hang on a minute. I had a, actually my best friend actually. He started, I was very quite negative back in like late 90s, early 2000s. I was very negative about myself. And when I had my, my first, uh, my, my first AU Falcon, I, I got my uh, AU XR now for 18, 19 years, but the first one I had, I rocked up, I rocked up to it, to, to the Falcon Car Club meeting back in 2000 when I was just still doing hand, a little bit of hand polishing and I'd hand polish the car and I'd, a little bit of rotary and met this guy, Jason, at the car club, and he goes, man, your car is gleaming. You know, it's this galaxy blue, rich blue color. looks amazing. I'm like, yeah, but it's got this problem and that problem and that problem, and it looks shit. I don't like it. And he took me to a car show, like, shortly after that, and he showed me these supposedly car show cars, and they were scratched to bejesus and hologrammed, all sorts of stuff. And there were some nice ones there, but most of them were just covered in swirls. There was one red Corvette, that literally the whole front looked you know, so flat it was almost like oxidized, and it blew my mind. And I thought my car is actually decent, but <laughs> and he's been talking to me for years, and I've never let it get to my head and become egotistical or I'm fucking awesome. You know, right. it's never gotten to my head. No one, you know, no matter what anyone says, even what my friend Alex these days says from Brisbane, how I'm, you know, he's looked at some of the training stuff I've done for like a rotary class that could be divided into four different levels because it's so in depth. He goes, man, you're bloody articulate. Now, I, I've never thought about that, but I just thought, well, I'm, I'm good here, but I'm shit there. But, right. yeah, like, Jason's been talking to me for years. Like, yeah, you're smarter than you think you are, and I don't let it get to my head, but I, I've realised over the last several, at least eight years, nine years, that, yeah, I've, I'm worth a bit. I've got some knowledge and some skill that I, I want to pass on. And, um, yeah, I'm, yeah, I've got to charge correctly, you know. Yeah. So... Well, yeah, it's um, awesome. It's a good answer. It's been a lot later than it than it should have been, but right. it's just how it is. 
Yeah. You know, so, and, and again, I mean, I haven't gone to SEMA and met people. I don't go to all these big shows. I could probably afford to do it now, but, you know, and in scheme of things, I'm just this guy that wasn't that, wasn't that really successful business-wise and making half a million to a million dollars a year doing a detail, having a detail facility. So I don't consider myself sort of like, you know, the upper echelon or big name in the industry, but I'm probably just known because of just all this sort of my skills with the machine, uh, yeah. with all the different machines, my knowledge and my knowledge of all the machines and intricate stuff that my chemistry slash company director uh, mentor has taught me and what I've learned off of a lot of other people anyway. So, right, right. you know, yeah. I don't, no, I mean, I don't see myself as some big name. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely like I said earlier in the episode. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm I still don't know everybody. So when I when I heard you on Dale's podcast that first time, and then we started talking, and then I started, you know, I I talked to this person and say, yeah, you're gonna get Maddie on. Oh, Maddie, Maddie's a great guy. Like, yeah, I know Maddie, you know. And I was like, oh, you know, and, and it was like the more and more people, like I was like, wow, like Maddie, Maddie's really like has a you know a good. Uh, I don't want to say following, but like a you know a lot of people know of them or whatever, and and it's yeah, um, it's, it's staggering you know, to me. I've got to be honest. Yeah. Again, because I I didn't really know of you until then, so I was like, wow, how, like, yeah, how, fair enough. You know, how did I not know this? You know, these people, I know these people, yeah. and they know you. Like, how's the you know seven degrees of Kevin Bacon? Yeah. You know, not you know, kind of it's it's into. but it, it is staggering though, like I mean, to the fact that, that people still want me to come on a podcast shows now when I'm not even doing detailing for money. Yeah, um, it's staggering, and it's the fact that I've been gone from this sort of like, you know, fat farm kid from, you know, a, a part of Australia, well, thirty kilometers, thirty-five kilometers north of Adelaide or so, that's basically, you know, just this kid on a farm that sort of loves his video games to somebody that pretty much Michael Stoops from Maguire's knows, Jason Rose knows, Dylan, yeah. all these people all over the place know, sometimes because I've just bugged people for years, ringing right, up right. companies. I love I love emailing and talking to companies. Like I talk, to, I talk to, or at least email quite often, a lot of these phone manufacturers right. and I'm still looking now for some new ones to see what they've got, see what, what's out there that I haven't seen before. I'm always looking for the next thing, and I love I love innovation, and it's not always easy. And innovation's expensive, and you know you've got to have more detailers buying in larger quantity and buying high quality stuff to make it worthwhile. Because it seems like everyone who buys in bulk, which is most of the dealerships, want the cheapest shit that they can get. So yeah. why would you want to innovate anything? But I just love te- the technical aspect of it and and the innovation and. It's like detailing the detailing industry and and its people and doing polishing and all the stuff to me is how I feel about it is how Bruce Lee felt about his martial arts and fitness. That's how far it goes. Right. Like that's the level I'm at. Like that's how much I give a shit. Right, right. No, that's yeah. awesome. So that's awesome. Yeah. Well well listen, Matt, you got a birthday to go enjoy. Yeah. You spent an hour hour twenty almost talking with us bums over here yeah. in the past um you know yep. so i listen i you know i appreciate you doing this um thanks for you know staying on me you know and keeping me updated with with all your health you know stuff that you know, yeah it's not always fun this happen, <laughs> but but yeah no I'm, yeah I'm glad that we finally got to do it you know it's it's um you know it's uh like i said before you know the podcast will always be where you just get better so um, I'm glad that mm. we finally got around to do it. And yeah, go enjoy your birthday, man. You know, 
Although... Oh, absolutely. But as I said, one other thing I'll say is that, you know, like I do want to definitely do some training stuff, um, classes with people. Um, yeah, probably only four or five at a time. That's the thing. And it's going to take a while for me to set this all up. And I'm, it's not going to be something like I'm going to turn into um, Liam Callis or in Australia who's a trainer or, you know, uh -huh. doing training to level that Rupes does or anything like that because I haven't got the, the setup and all that sort of stuff. But I'm, I'm still interested in doing it, even if it's a once every few months or whatever else, anyone's keen um, to learn more. Um, because I just, I just feel I've got some – a reasonable amount of knowledge and a fair, some in-depth stuff that I go into with the technical aspect of foams and pads yeah. and liquids and all that stuff that I think a lot of people need to sort of well, be beneficial for them to know. I mean, talking about compression load deflection ratios and all this other shit with foam is not going to be interesting to most people. It doesn't really matter to them because they, they don't, need, don't really need to know that stuff yeah. to actually work on cars. But that's how in-depth technical I, I look at stuff and, and go. So... Yeah. No. You know. Anyway, thank you very much awesome. for the opportunity. Like I said, it yes, still blows fine. me away that I've actually get invited to go on podcast when I'm. <laughs> I consider myself this little, just this, you know, this guy that's made a contribution to the industry. That's not really, you know, Jason yeah. Rose, Rennie Dor, other people area, but Listen, I appreciate it. Everybody's got a story, and that's that's what our yep. our podcast is. It's it's storytelling. We want to hear people's story. Um, that's it you know and, and somebody somewhere is going to you know um, they're going to be able to to you know hear your story and and it's gonna you know uh, not reflect but it's it's going to be you know they'll they'll be like hey I can I can you know understand that or or I'm kind of like that or you know these things mm. so that's that's the thing is to just kind of bring the industry together and just kind of you know make everybody yep. understand that that we're all the same it doesn't matter if you're a jason rose or a rennie doyle or you know an alex russell and a and a jason Berno. you know mm. we're, there's no levels we're just all here um as as the great noxy said there's no levels so so yeah, yeah man, that's it, man. I, and there is I, no I, there is no best of anything right right exactly cool, so man. so i appreciate you for coming on man again happy birthday yeah, thank you um, thank go, you go, go enjoy your day and uh we'll talk to you soon thanks bud thanks all guys right, all right bye all right man so maddie maddie yeah. gibb yeah is that our third australian that we've had on this year that is our third australian yeah australia yeah. has been it's been a good year for australia and us well in 2022 you know, you know the cool thing too. Um, let me see. Let me pull this up live on on the podcast. Here is, I believe Australia now is third, um, in in our in our audience as far as uh, US as UK. As, yeah. So it's so it's uh, it's US UK. And then Australia, that's uh, not going to pull up now for some reason. And then Canada. Um, oh, yeah, Canada. Yeah, our, our top four. And then Germany, Germany's five, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, so, I mean, um, you know, it, it's cool that, you know, I, I think back to, you know, when Cam Watson had messaged me and he had, you know, heard of the podcast and started listening to some of them. And I was like, holy shit, got to get you on. And then, 
you know, and then it, then it clicked to Cam Scorey and then it's to, you know, Dale messaging me and he was talking about starting a podcast and kind of picked my brain a little bit and then, you know, said, Hey, I finally did it. You know, please listen to it. And the first episode was, was Maddie, you know, and I was like, wow, this is, you know, and this guy's got a lot of knowledge and, you know, so then me and Maddie started talking. So, yeah, I mean, we got to get Dale on here too, eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, to kind of round it all out but uh but no it's it's cool talking to the to the australian guys it's a little weird trying to figure out the time difference um you know because they're so far ahead and and then daylight savings time makes it weird but you know we make it happen it's all that matters so all right buddy well if you don't have anything else to say man it's uh getting late here on a friday night for me we're two weeks away from mt people weeks away from make sure you get your tickets What's the code, Alex? DSP15. And you get 50% off, all right? 15% off, that's so, right. Make sure you come weeks. see us at the uh, Detailer's Roadmap booth. Detailer's Roadmap booth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, should start, I should start knowing the, the booth number. Because, you know, you know, people are always like, yeah. oh, come see us, booth number, blah, 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 blah. Man, just, just look for the sign that says Detailer's Roadmap yeah. and look for us in the fucking yeah. corner. Two, two chuckleheads. <laughs> two chuckleheads sitting sitting. 10 feet away from from the the cool guys yeah, dude, you'll see us we'll have our own fucking table that has the yeah. logos and shit on it too yeah we're gonna be fancy like yeah we fancy we fancy we fancy. fancy we fancy <laughs> all right everybody you guys have a good night have a good, a good day. night good whatever it is when you're listening to this and uh we'll talk to you soon bye bye, bye.